0: my name is Steven Sindoni and the title of our story today is The Dinshaw Gradiali Story. I was gifted a book to read entitled Let There Be Light written by Darius Dinshaw. The book was written by Darius Dinshaw about his father, Dinshaw Gradiali. After reading this most fascinating story I decided to go on the internet and do a Google search and try to find out more about the man. It was at that time I made a very interesting discovery which I will share with you today. The story can be found at the World Research Foundation website wrf.org. It was there on that website that I came across a very interesting blog posted by a man only known as M. The posting was in response to a question about Dinsho Alley and his spectrochrome system of therapy that was used in the healing profession. I will now read the blog posting verbatim. Dinsho is a truly great man. I remember as a young child going through some books on my grandfather's shelf and coming across an old hardback book dark green in color, written by Dinshaw. I was stunned by the exhaustive list of credentials listed after his name and the thoughts contained in the book. My grandfather related to me many stories of this great man and of the confiscation of his materials. Grandpa recounted to me the story that one night they heard a low flying plane come over the town and shortly thereafter an explosion at the Dinshaw lot in Malaga, New Jersey. My grandfather, who was a farmer, lived in the same town on Old Dutch Mill Road, and personally knew Dinshaw. My father as a young man also knew Dinsha and his son Darius, and told me the same story, and went so far as to take me to the exact location when I was a young child. He also told me that when the family walked down the road, they would walk in single file like ducklings following a mama duck. I never heard anyone else speak of this explosion, so it was interesting to hear if anyone had a similar story. Perhaps Dinshaw's son Darius had some information, but I suspect if he knows something, he's not talking. Time has a way of covering up things, but if this really happened, then this story should be investigated further and put on a radio show like Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. It was at that time I decided that I was going to make a movie about it and share with you as relayed by Dinshaw himself. So before we go any further, I'd like to answer the question, who was Dinshaw Gaddy Alley? Dinshaw was born in India. His last name often seemed too difficult for American tongues, so he preferred to be called by his first name. He was quite proud of having earned the rank of Colonel in the New York City Police Air Reserve. The year was 1920. Dinshaw Gadiali created a new revolutionary healing treatment which he called spectrochrome therapy. Dinshaw's system was surprisingly simple. All that was required was an incandescent lamp and a set of colored filters. In the 12 years following the introduction of spectrochrome in 1920, Dinshaw taught 54 classes with a total of 1,239 students in attendance. Many more classes were held in succeeding years, but most records were lost in a 1945 institution fire. Among the students were numerous physicians, surgeons, dentists, and others allied to the health field. Two of his more notable graduates were Dr. Kate W. Baldwin in 1921, and her brother in 1922, Dr. L. Graham Baldwin, an eminent surgical gynecological authority and a charter member of the American College of Surgeons, Mayo Clinics. He placed a number of spectrochrome equipments in service in his Brooklyn, New York clinic. She was for 23 years the senior surgeon at Philadelphia Women's Hospital and introduced spectrochrome in that institution. She eventually had as many equipments in use there as space allowed. 11 more in her private practice as well as a few loaners for her patients unable to make office visits. Spectrochrome received enthusiastic support for years at Philadelphia's Women's Hospital which later merged with another hospital. The decline began in 1924 when without investigation into its possible merits an extremely derogatory article to Dinshaw and Spectrochrome appeared in the American Medical Association Journal, mentioned in the Minutes of March 28, 1924. Eventually given the choice, Dr. Baldwin resigned her prestigious hospital position rather than accede to the intern's demand that she give up her beloved spectrochrome in favor of her surgical duties. That the Board of Managers was indisputably convinced regarding the therapeutic value of spectrochrome is amply documented in the minutes and emphasized by their offer to allow Dr. Baldwin to continue with spectrochrome for her private patients at the hospital after she resigned from the staff. That very well could have been the end of this narrative, but it is not. Dr. Baldwin continued with her medical spectrochrome practice and Dinshaw continued to promote spectrochrome, lecturing, teaching classes, designing new projectors and accessories, and the day-to-day supervision of his institute. The problem now was the steadily increasing pressure from opposing elements. In May of 1930, Dinshaw was arrested and jailed in Buffalo, New York. The indictment charged he did feloniously steal $175 from Hausman Hughes by falsely representing and pretending that a certain instrument and machine, Spectrochrome, would cure any and all human disease and ailments, with further charges regarding the filters. One of his graduates, Dr. Welcome A. Hanner, posted bail $1,500 for Dinshaw was then released from jail. Completely undaunted, Dinshaw resumed his usual activities while he awaited the setting of a trial date, including conducting 10 more training classes. The trial began on Tuesday, April 28, 1931. If he lost the case, Dinshaw faced the possibility of 10 years imprisonment and a $10,000 fine. Nonetheless, he proceeded to defend himself by acting as his own attorney. In later years, when asked why he conducted his own defense, he often said, The judge knows the law, and I know my science, so I can defend it better than any lawyer. Truth may be defeated, but never conquered, or words to that effect. The prosecution produced five witnesses in an effort to prove spectrochrome was valueless and that the filters did not produce monochromes as they mistakenly expected. A physicist testified that the bulb in the spectrochrome equipment was an ordinary incandescent lamp The defense never claimed otherwise, and the filters were of ordinary glass and not capable of producing spectral emission lines, which also was never claimed. Another witness was a physician who treated patients with ultraviolet rays, radium and x-rays. He thought colors, as therapeutic agents, would have no curative effects, but admitted not having used spectrochrome to arrive at his expert opinion. Three witnesses, including the complainant Houseman Hughes, who never even took or gave a single donation, recounted statements made by Dinshaw regarding the effects of spectrochrome, how the effects are generated, the procedures for leasing spectrochrome equipments, and other non-technical details. That was the case against Dinshaw and spectrochrome. Together the five testimonies were supposed to be strong enough to convict him and condemn his system. A sixth witness was called later for a rebuttal. It appeared to be an open-and-shut case. How could a sensible jury believe that an ordinary light bulb and five pieces of colored glass be of any use in healing the sick? Now it was time for Dinshaw to prove not only that they could, but in fact they did. The prosecution was about to receive a surprise. Dinshaw began his defense with a licensed physician and Spectrochrome Institute graduate, Dr. Welcome A. Hanner. His testimony recounted excellent results in nine years' experience with Spectrochrome, on burns, arthritis, diabetes, cancer, tuberculosis, dementia, heart disorders, stomach ulcers, etc., some cases pronounced by other practitioners as hopeless, and a few which were beyond help of any system. The most telling remark in his testimony was, I should hate to practice without it. He also outlined some of Dinshaw's theories and classroom teachings. In 1944, Dinshaw published a transcript of proceedings of his lawsuit with his comments entitled it, Triumph of Spectrochrome. The testimony of Dinshaw's next witness, Dr. Martha J. Peebles, was somewhat similar to that of Dr. Baldwin, in that she was a highly experienced professional and completely dedicated to spectrochrome. She was a medical inspector in the Brooklyn, New York Department of Health, was a frontline Army company surgeon, became an invalid from arthritis and neuritis, met Dr. Baldwin, and according to her sworn testimony, cured herself of these diseases with spectrochrome, And in one month resumed her private practice. She eventually employed 17 equipments presently called projectors on a daily basis for such conditions as tumors, sciatica, heart disorders, meningitis, goitres, ulcers, thrombosis, neuritis, and many other disorders. Her testimony also covered numerous technical points as taught by Dinshaw in his classes. The concluding phase of Dinshaw's defense was evidence from two of his graduate non-medical law practitioners, Bessie A. Hassanah and Jesse E. Ness, and non-practicing graduate Bessie Radcliffe. They substantiated his assertion that using spectrochrome successfully did not require extensive medical training. The defense presentation must have been considerably more robust than the prosecutor had anticipated he now summoned a rebuttal witness an authority on analytical chemistry and with other qualifications, Dr. Albert P. Tsai. His statements were in essence the same as those of the scientists earlier in the case, that while light is essential to life for obvious reasons, various frequencies or colors cause no noticeable biological effects on higher organisms. It is of course now widely recognized that humans are affected by the type of light we use as well as by its intensity and duration. One example is now termed Seasonal Affective Disorder or SAD. Dinshaw and Dr. Sy made a great pair. They were both very well educated, though on opposite sides of the legal fence. Dinshaw deftly fenced, thrusting and parrying to get Dr. Sy to omit some points essential to the defense. This was the usual tactical move made by Dinshaw in fighting lawsuits using prosecution witnesses, for his own purposes to a level where sometimes it was difficult to distinguish whether the witness he was cross-examining was for the prosecution or for the defense. The final scene in a trial consists of a summation of the facts as seen by the defense and then by the prosecutor, finishing with the charge to the jury by the judge. New York State Supreme Court Justice Thomas H. Noonan gave the jury a carefully worded overview of the case. There were, of course, the legal aspects, but in one paragraph, he concisely covered the real issue before the jury. The gist of this lawsuit is, that according to the people's claim, the doctor, Dinshaw, misrepresented the healing capacity or power of this machine. That is, they claim it cannot do anywhere near what the doctor is alleged to have claimed it would do. If this machine is a useful machine and can do good practical results in the cure of disease, then. I take it your verdict should be not guilty. The jury deliberated for only ninety minutes before returning to the courtroom with their unanimous verdict, not guilty on all counts of the indictment. They apparently felt that spectrochrome indeed can do good, practical results in the cure of disease. That was a successful conclusion of the Buffalo New York ordeal, but it was far from the end of the tribulations for Dinshaw. In the following seventeen years he fought seven more lawsuits of varying significance the last of which was followed by an insurmountable permanent interstate injunction in 1957. The forces of ignorance had accomplished their aim at last, or had they? Dinshaw continued, limited by the injunction to sales in New Jersey until his death in 1966. It was at that point three of his sons, who had been raised in service to the Spectrochrome Institutes, assumed responsibility for advancing the use of Spectrochrome and in 1975 founded the non Dinshaw Health Society. Few significant inventions are created by one person from conception to fruition, and this holds true for spectrochrome, as it is based on the perceptive effects of several forbearers. Dinshaw gave instincting credit to them for the threads of knowledge they spun and which he wove into the completed fabrics of spectrochrome. Some of his preceptors were Sir Isaac Newton, Dr. William Wollaston, Joseph Van Fraunhofer, Gustav Kirchhoff, Robert van Brunsen, Sir William Crooks, Dr. Seth Pancoast, and Dr. Edwin D. Babbitt. It has been said that if you build a better mousetrap, the world would be the path to your door. This has been so for some, but for others the path has been fraught with obstacles when they attempted to promote their unconventional ideas or products. Such opposition may stem from ignorance, avarice, jealousy, or similar human failing. It can be said that, for whatever reasons, Dinshaw fought for almost every inch of ground he gained. Dean Shaw was, of course, the most outspoken supporter of spectrochrome therapy. Of all the professional therapists he trained, Dr. Kate W. Baldwin was the most notable, and she without a doubt ran a close second to him in enthusiasm. Dr. Baldwin held the position of senior surgeon for 23 years at Philadelphia Women's Hospital. For the last three years of her tenure there, she used spectrochrome methods in the hospital, as well as in her private medical practice. That she was thoroughly versed in the principles and effects of spectrochrome may be inferred from the following abstract of a paper she presented at a clinical meeting of the section of eye, ear, nose, and throat diseases of the Medical Society of the State of Pennsylvania held at the Medical chiurgical Hospital in Philadelphia on October 12, 1926. The original paper is not available so the abstract as it was printed in the Atlantic Medical Journal of April 27 will speak for her. The therapeutic value of light and color Kate W. Baldwin, M.D., former senior surgeon, Women's Hospital, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania.
1: Sunlight is the basic source of all life and energy upon earth. Deprive plant or animal life of light and it soon shows the lack and ceases to develop. Place a seed in the very best of soil or a human being in a palace. Shut out the light and what happens? Without food, in the usual sense of the term, Man can live many days without liquids a much shorter time, but not at all without the atmosphere which surrounds him at all times, and to which he pays so little attention. The forces on which life mostly depends are placed nearly or quite beyond personal control. For centuries scientists have devoted untiring effort to discover means for the relief or cure of human ills and restoration of the normal functions yet in neglected light and color there is a potency far beyond that of drugs and serums in order that the whole body may function perfectly each organ must be a hundred percent perfect when the spleen the liver or any other organ falls below normal it simply means that the body laboratories have not provided the required materials with which to work either because they are not functioning as a result of some disorder of the internal mechanism or because they have not been provided with the necessary materials. Before the body can appropriate the required elements, they must be separated from the waste matter. Each element gives off a characteristic color wave. The prevailing color wave of hydrogen is red and that of oxygen is blue, and each element in turn gives off its own special color wave. Sunlight, as it is received by the body, is split into the prismatic colors and their combinations as white light is split by passage through a prism. Everything on the red side of the spectrum is more or less stimulating, while the blue is sedative. There are many shades of each color, and each is produced by a little different wavelength. Just as sound waves are tuned to each other and produce harmony or discords, so color waves may be tuned and only so can they be depended on always to produce the same results. If one requires a dose of castor oil, he does not go to a drug store and request a little portion from each bottle on the shelves. I see no virtue then in the use of the whole white light as a therapeutic measure, when the different colors can give what is required without taxing the body to rid itself of that which it has no use and which may do more or less harm. If the body is sick, it should be restored with the least possible effort. There is no more accurate or easier way than by giving the color representing the lacking elements, and the body will, through its radioactive forces, the aura, appropriate them and so restore the normal balance. Color is the simplest and most accurate therapeutic measure yet developed. For about six years I have given close attention to the action of colors in restoring the body's functions and I am perfectly honest in saying that after nearly 37 years of active hospital and private practice in medicine and surgery, I can produce quicker and more accurate results with colors than with any or all other methods combined. And with less strain on the patient. In many cases, the functions have been restored after the classical remedies have failed. Of course, surgery is necessary in some cases, but the results will be quicker and better if color is used before and after operation. Sprains, bruises, and trauma of all sorts respond to color as to no other treatment. Septic conditions yield regardless of the specific organism. Cardiac lesions, asthma, hay fever, pneumonia, inflammatory conditions of the eyes, corneal ulcers, glaucoma, and cataracts are relieved by the treatment. The treatment of carbuncles with color is easy compared to the classical methods. One woman with a carbuncle involving the back of the neck from mastoid to mastoid and from occipital ridge to the first dorsal vertebrae came under color therapy after ten days of the very best of attention. From the first day of color application, no opiates, not even sedatives were required. This patient was saved much suffering and she has little scar. The use of color in the treatment of burns is well worth investigating by every member of the profession. In such cases the burning sensations caused by the destructive forces may be counteracted in from twenty to thirty minutes And it does not return. True burns are caused by the destructive action of the red side of the spectrum, hydrogen predominating. Apply oxygen by the use of the blue side of the spectrum and much will be done to relieve the nervous strain. The healing processes are rapid and the resulting tissues soft and flexible. In very extensive burns in a child of eight years of age there was almost complete suppression of urine for more than 48 hours. With a temperature of 105 to 106 degrees. Fluids were forced to no effect, and a more hopeless case is seldom seen. Scarlet was applied just over the kidney at a distance of 18 inches for 20 minutes, all other areas being covered. Two hours after, the child voided eight ounces of urine. In some unusual and extreme cases that had not responded to other treatment, Normal functioning has been restored by color therapy. At present, therefore, I do not feel justified in refusing any case without a trial. Even in cases where death is inevitable, much comfort may be secured. There is no question that light and color are important therapeutic media and that their adoption will be of advantage to both the profession and the people.
0: Dr. Baldwin's sentiments are concisely stated in one sentence in a letter from her to another doctor. I would close my office tonight, never reopen, if I could not use spectrochrome. What a magnificent champion of spectrochrome, if only we could find another like her now. As knowledge in the therapeutic field grows in so many diverse directions, sooner or later consciousness healers will be impelled to take an eclectic view of their calling. Color therapy, spectrochrome in particular, must be among the choices available to them. Until that time comes, this book can help you to help yourself by using spectrochrome with or instead of other methods. It must be emphasized that while the list of diseases and conditions given in this book is comprehensive, in order to be as useful as possible, we do not expect all conditions to be treatable without professional care. Among the many situations which are likely to go beyond the scope of self-help are severe dehydration, heart failure, conditions requiring oxygen therapy, and certain first aid measures. But even in such crises, why not use spectrochrome also? It might just make the difference between life and death. At this point, suffice it to say that if your practitioner is not eclectic as dr Baldwin surely was, then it is in your best interest to be. After all, whose health or life is at stake? I will now read the author Darius Dinshaw's personal statement from chapter twelve entitled I Believe. I believe wholeheartedly in spectrochrome, and I will tell you why. First, the hundreds of satisfied customers with whom I have spoken and the innumerable case reports I have read, some were really remarkable, would be enough to convince most anyone. Second, rewording a common advertising phrase, spectrochrome has been hospital tested and recommended by doctors and was not found wanting. Third, my personal experiences including an undiagnosed illness with a 106 fever, a shoulder problem which a professional warned me would cause it to freeze if I did not follow his instructions, I did not continue with spectrochrome instead and it normalated in a few weeks, a persistent and distressing episode of cardiac arthrymia, formulated with two or three tonations of orange and the day-to-day problems seen in raising three active sons. After using spectrochrome at home for a lifetime, frankly, it is difficult to imagine being without it. Even the thought is appalling. I believe the spectrochrome system is a completely natural healing method. It does not use dangerous drugs with their attendant side effects, It does not use blood transfusions with a very high risk of transmitting infections, some of which may be fatal. It does not encourage the development of resistant bacteria. It does not use animal-based serums and such. Rather, spectrochrome energizes our inherent reparative processes, and when the power of construction can no longer maintain a proper balance with those of destruction, it assists in a peaceful death of the physical body. I believe my father fought the good fight, winning a few battles against incredible odds while losing many, but his unbounded faith in his spectrochrome system never wavered. I believe his motto, Truth may be defeated but never conquered, is more than just a motto, it is a certainty. While he did not live to see his dream of spectrochrome in every home become a reality, there has been a rising level of interest in unorthodox healing methods such as this. I believe Dinshaw's goal will come much closer to being attained in my lifetime, and this book is another step to expedite its fulfillment. I believe if you carefully follow all the instructions in this volume, you too will come to believe that the power of the rainbow, as embodied in spectrochrome, is really God's gift to all of us. In closing, I would like to end this broadcast with the words, Let There Be Light. I'd like to thank everyone for watching, The Dinshaw Gaddy Alley Story.
2: paradise And the pilgrims call it the tree of life